downtown Brooklyn, and it was crazy. It was kind of a rough uh, part of the city, and every single Friday night, we saw hundreds and hundreds of young people coming into church, getting saved, being radically changed on a Friday night in New York City. Like, it was crazy. Um, every time that we gathered, literally, we had, like, ex-drug addicts and ex-prostitutes and ex-gang members. Um, that was, like, just our leadership team. It got worse after that. <laughs> it was wild. It was wild, and uh, the same God that is in New York City is the same God that is in Albany, is the same God that is in Zimbabwe, is the same God everywhere. Come on, anybody believe that our God is alive and active and everywhere? So I want to I preach to you this very simple message tonight. I'm a little bit of a teacher, a little bit of a preacher, but I promise you, you're going to be encouraged by this, and it's going to help you tomorrow. That is the goal, right? That what we do in here affects everything out there, right? So let me read you this verse in Psalm 27, 14. It simply says this, be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Wait patiently for the Lord. Somebody say nice and loud, say wait. Now let me ask you an honest question. How many people in here by a show of hands have at least one thing that you are waiting on that God has not yet done? Just lift your hand. If you got more than one thing that you're waiting to lift both hands, okay? If you got more than two things, lift the foot, okay? Okay. We got things that we're waiting on. If you're anything like me, maybe you can be a little bit impatient in the natural. I don't know if it is a, a dream or a desire that God has given you. I don't know if it is an opportunity that you are waiting on. I don't know if it is a sickness that you want to be healed. I don't know if it is a family member or a friend that you would love to be in relationship with Jesus that is very far from God right now. I don't know what it is that you've been waiting on, but I want to encourage you tonight with what the Word of God says. Listen to this verse in Isaiah 64. It says this, For since the world began, no ear has heard, no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for them. Who works for those who wait for him. That's a pretty encouraging verse, is it not? When we are waiting, he is literally working on our behalf. That's pretty incredible. We can be in here praying, singing, doing our thing, trusting God, and God is working things out behind the scenes. One theologian said, you're aware of about three things, and God is doing about 10,000 things. This is the God that we serve, but it can be difficult sometimes to do this idea of waiting. I want to tell you something that I struggle with back in New York City that you know not of. You might think that you struggle with this in Albany, but I'm here to tell you that you do not struggle with this. And whatever it is that you are going through, you don't go through it the way that I go through it. And what I am speaking of is something called parking. We have a parking spirit from the pit of hell in New York City. It is difficult to find a parking space. My wife and I, the first five years of our marriage, we lived in Bay Ridge, which my friend right here on the front row knows about the parking in Bay Ridge. And on 74th and 3rd Avenue, every single night, we would spend on average 45 minutes looking for a parking space. One night, my wife, she parked so far away from home, she had to take the bus home. I'm not lying. He's laughing because he knows I'm telling the truth because he knows that neighborhood. It was bad. We did this for five years. I mean, oh my gosh, I, I, almost, I almost lost my sanity, almost lost my salvation, almost lost my marriage. It was crazy. Every night, 45 minutes looking for a parking space. It was nuts. 
And for five years we did this, and I vowed uh, to my wife, I said, listen, if we ever move into another place, we are going to get a place that has a parking spot. So five years later, we moved into a new apartment building. They had a parking garage. Praise Jesus. The first day that I get into the apartment, I go to the administrative office. I said, listen, I'll pay anything. Just tell me how much are the parking spots. I want to get a parking spot. And uh, I'll never forget what the lady said. She goes, no problem, no problem, no problem. I'm going to put you on the wait list. I said, okay, 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 no problem, no problem. Um, do you have like a, you know, estimate, like how long you think like the wait list is going to be before a parking spot opens up? I'll never forget what she said. She goes, yeah, somewhere in between three months and three years. That's what I'm saying, okay? How many know that the most difficult type of waiting is when you don't know how long you're going to have to wait for? This is tough. This is frustrating. This is where we lose our sense of hope. Some of you have been waiting on things, and you almost gave up on the thing because of how long you've had to wait. We don't like to wait. We don't like to wait in line. We don't like to wait for someone to call us back. We don't like to wait in traffic. We don't like to wait for a train. We don't like to wait for the Internet to load. We don't like to wait even at restaurants. So we get fast food, and that's not fast enough, so we get microwave food. And then we put the hot pocket in, we heat it up, we take it out, and we, just, we burn our mouth because we didn't want to wait for it to cool down. We don't like to wait. But if you've been a Christian for more than five minutes, how many know that waiting is a part of the school of God? If you read the Bible and the different people that God uses, he often makes them wait for different periods of time. I mean, think about it. Abraham had to wait 25 years for a son. Think about that. David had to wait 13 years to become king. Moses had to wait 40 years in a de desert. Joseph, he had to wait three years in a prison. Jesus had to wait 72 hours in a grave. Could it be that those who God wants to bless the most... He makes wait the longest. I know that didn't get a lot of amens. I know you're like, I thought this was going to be encouraging, okay? I just want to let you know that the thing that you're waiting on, it might take a little bit longer than you think, but it's going to be even better than you imagined. That is not the power of positive thinking. That is what the Bible promises, that it will be beyond what you could ask, think, or imagine according to God's Word. Come on, does anybody believe that tonight? It's true. It is true whether you realize it or not. And whatever it is that you are waiting for, the beginning of this message, I just simply asked you how many people have at least one thing that they're waiting on that God has not yet done. And every single hand went up. So I don't know if that hand represents a person I don't know if that hand represents an idea. I don't know if that hand represents a place. I don't know what it is that you're waiting on, but I want to encourage you with a few very practical things that you can do while it is you're waiting. Is that okay? Can I do that, okay? I'm going to give you three of them, and I promise you they're going to be helpful. Now listen, I'm going to give you three things that you need to do while you wait, and all three of them are going to start with the word I, okay? They're going to be in the first person. And I put my sermon points in the first person so that I can preach it back to myself on Monday morning. Because once again, if you are given something in church and you can't use it the next day in your real life, then potentially the whole thing is a waste of time. So when you say the things in the first person, you can preach it back to yourself, okay? The best sermons I've ever preached are the ones that I preach to myself. 
Sometimes I preach so good, I respond to my own altar call. I take an offering for myself, get saved all over again, okay? So here we go. This is going to help you, I promise. The first one is this. I will resist the temptation to rush. I will resist the temptation to rush. Whatever it is that you're waiting for, I promise you that you will be tempted to try to expedite the process because you got impatient. But I want to encourage you to resist the temptation to rush. I read this story in a, this little local newspaper recently. I thought it was funny. Listen to what it says. It simply says this. Um, it's a story about something that happened at an intersection in a city. It says this. The light turned yellow just in front of him. He did the right thing, stopping at the crosswalk, even though he could have beaten the red light by accelerating through the intersection. The tailgating woman behind him was fierce. Anybody ever met a tailgating woman? I'm kidding. Don't raise your hand. The tailgating woman behind him was furious and honked her horn, screaming in frustration as she missed her chance to get through the intersection, frustrated that she now had to wait and was in a rush. She drops her cell phone and her makeup. As she was still in mid-rant, she heard a tap on her window and looked up into the face of a very serious police officer. The officer ordered to exit her car with her hands up. He took her to the police station where she was searched, fingerprinted, photographed, and placed into a holding cell. After a couple hours, a policeman approached the cell and opened the door. She was escorted back to the booking desk where the arresting officer was waiting with her personal effects. He said, I'm very sorry for this mistake. You see, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn, flipping off the guy in front of you, and cussing like a sailor at him. I noticed the What Would Jesus Do bumper sticker. The chrome-plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. So naturally, I assumed you had stolen the car. All because she was in a rush. How many have learned as you look back on your life, nothing good happens when you rush? When people rush into a relationship, when you rush into a conversation, when you rush into a decision, when you rush into a business deal. The things of God take time. The best things in life require not our timing, but the timing of God. Have you realized this? I mean, look throughout the Bible about this word, wait. It says this in Psalm 37. Wait for the Lord and He will lift you up. Isaiah 30. Blessed are those who wait for Him. Lamentations 3. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. And you hear this word in church every so often, but when you look at the original meaning of this word wait, I love the depiction of it. It simply means this, inwardly ready to receive without reservation or hesitation. That's what the word wait means. It means being inwardly ready to receive without reservation or hesitation. In other words, sometimes God is wanting to bless us, but we're not ready for the blessing. You have to be inwardly ready to receive the very thing that God is trying to send your way. Just to illustrate this for a second, I want to show you another picture up on the screen. So this is a picture of a baseball player. Look at this guy, okay? He's catching this ball, and this is a beautiful biblical picture of the definition of waiting. If you want to know what biblical waiting looks like, it looks like this. Look at this guy. He's calm. He's confident. He is simply ready to receive the very thing that is coming to him. This is a picture of what it looks like to biblically wait. But unfortunately, a lot of us don't look like this. 
a lot of us look like this when we're waiting. Let me show the next picture. Scared, uncertain, insecure, fearful, not ready. You know, like a lot of us look like this when it comes to our life and what it is that we're wanting God to do. But this is the wild thing. I want to show the next picture, and this is simply both of them side by side. Now, the wild thing about this is they're waiting for the exact same thing. Yet their posture is completely opposite. One of them is producing anticipation. The other one is producing anxiety. This is how you can tell whether or not you are waiting properly for the thing that God is wanting to send into your life. Is it creating more anticipation in your life or is it creating more anxiety in your life? I hope that it's anticipation because how many know that God is good and he does good? So I don't know when it will happen or how it will happen, but I believe in faith that if God says something, he is going to do that something. Come on, do you believe it tonight? He will do it and he can do it. But we have to resist that temptation to rush. The second thing is this. They get harder as we go, okay? The next one is this. I will focus on my development, not my delay. I will focus on my development, not my delay. As you are in this season of waiting, there are certain things that can only happen in this season that they cannot happen in any other season. What are you focused on as you are waiting for God to do the thing that you're believing him to do, which we're going to pray for here in just a few moments. We're not just going to talk about it. You're not just going to receive. This is not a college lecture. How many came here tonight to encounter God? How many came here tonight to receive something from heaven? That's why we're here. We don't need more information. I'm just saying a few things to stir our faith so that we can encounter Jesus and he can do what only he can do. But while you're in this season... What is it that God is trying to do in your life? Don't focus on the delay. Focus on the development that he's trying to do on the inside of you. I want to take you back thousands of years ago. Jesus dies on the cross. He rises again three days later. And the Bible says that he was about to ascend back into heaven. But before Jesus went back into heaven, he called a meeting with his disciples to instruct them on how they are to take over the world. In other words, it was a pretty important meeting, okay? You don't want to be late to that meeting. You don't want to be checking Instagram at that meeting, okay? It's important. Jesus is about to give some information that you might need. So he calls them all together, says, listen, I'm going to go back into heaven, but you guys are responsible for taking over the entire world with the gospel. So I'm going to tell you how to do it. Now, if I am a disciple and I'm going to this meeting, I'm thinking, okay, he's going to give us like a, 12-month strategy. He's going to tell us, like, I don't know, have a concert at the Jerusalem Coliseum. I don't know, maybe go door to door, pass out some gospel tracts, go old school, maybe a social media campaign. I don't know what Jesus is going to say, but he's probably going to start putting us to work. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says this to his followers and to his friends. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised. Think about that. They had to take over the world. You would think that they would start to get to work. Yet Jesus says, 
No, no, no. Just wait. Just wait. Wait for what? Wait for the gift. What is the gift? As you know the story, the gift is the Holy Spirit. So what happens? They wait. They go in an upper room. They start praying for about 10 days. The Holy Spirit comes. Something called Pentecost happens. And then what? The birth of the Christian church begins. And here we are 2,000 years later on a Thursday night in Albany, here in the presence of God in this meeting. Why? We're reaping the benefits of them deciding to wait. Who is going to benefit and be blessed by you saying, I'm not going to do this my way. I'm going to do this God's way. And I'm going to wait as long as I need to wait for God to do the thing that I'm believing him for. Come on, do you believe it tonight? Put your hands together. It's all right to clap. Focus on your development, not your delay. Now, about 14, 15 years ago, I moved to New York City. And I was a passionate preacher of the gospel. Um, the only problem was I never preached a day in my life. Now, I got an internship at this church, and they started me off working in the library, and they were paying me about $10 for lunch, and I was doing this for about six months. It was the worst six months of my entire life, and after about six months of doing it, my, my cell phone rang, and it was my uh, uh, lead pastor at the time. I didn't even know that he had my number, and he said, hey, Todd, um, uh, I wanted to talk to you tomorrow, and I have an opportunity for you. I said, great, amazing. I uh, hung up the phone, and I was like, praise God, it's about time, you know. And I go into his office the next day, and I start talking to him, and he goes, hey, I have an opportunity for you. Um, you know, I wanted to offer you a part-time job in uh, the children's ministry. I said, the devil is a liar. I said, well, you know what? I'm not really called to kids. I'm called to preach. So I was kind of thinking more. How many know I started children's ministry that Sunday, right? I started children's ministry that Sunday. And, um, and I went in there, and I was probably the worst children's ministry volunteer worker, part-time pastor in the history of the Christian church. I mean, it was bad, okay? Like, kids lost their salvation, okay? Like, I showed up late. I wasn't nice. I was sloppy. I was unproductive. I was lazy. It was just bad, and I did it for about three weeks. And after three weeks, I got called into my boss's office. And the purpose of the meeting was to fire me. Now, don't feel bad. I would have fired me too, okay? I deserve to be fired. And I'm in this meeting, and somehow by the grace of God, they decided to give me another chance. They did not fire me. And I'll never forget, after about an hour and a half of talking to this man who began to speak into my life and correct me and challenge me and encourage me, and give me another opportunity, I felt like the Lord really spoke to me. And basically what he said to me was, you know what, I need you to keep doing this. And I need you to keep doing this as long as I say. Because if I gave you your preference, the preparing that I need to do in your life would not take place the way that I needed to take place. And basically what the Lord was speaking to me in that moment is, you want your season to change, but I want you to change first. And this is how God operates sometimes. Because how many know that God will put you anywhere, doing anything around anyone to make you more like him? That's the goal. Not that our dreams would be fulfilled and that God would use us and that we would do awesome things. No, the Bible says that the goal is that we would all be conformed to the image of Christ. 
Yes, there are amazing plans and destinies on your life, but the goal is at the end of this year that every one of us would just be a little bit more like Jesus. That's the goal. That would be a little bit more like Jesus. But that requires us not being so obsessed with things in our life that are delaying and being more obsessed with developing into the man of God and the woman of God that he has called us to be. Amen? There are certain things that can only happen in a season of waiting. I want to give you just a few of them just to encourage you. Some questions, if you will. Number one, the first one is this. What gifts need to grow in my life? What gifts need to grow in my life? Number two, what disciplines need to be developed? And number three, what parts of my character need to be strengthened? Number four, what relationships need to be restored? What relationships need to be restored? Sometimes we're waiting on God to do something, and he's waiting on us to do something. We're sometimes praying for stuff that God has enabled us to be able to do. You know, we say that we want miracles, but oftentimes, if we're honest, we don't want miracles. We want magic. We want God to wave his magic wand from heaven and do things that we're not willing to put our hand to do. Isn't it crazy how this works? If you study the miracles in the Bible, you will see very quickly that every single miracle involves two things. One, God's supernatural power, but two, man's natural effort. They're both combined to form a miracle. Did the walls of Jericho fall down? Yes, but guess what? The people still had to march. Was the Red Sea split? Yes, but the people still walked through. Was the blind man's eyes healed? Yes, but he still had to wipe out the mud before he could see. You see, it requires our effort and God's effort, and then miracles begin to take place. This is why so many people don't see God do something new in their life because they're not willing to do anything new. It's not popular preaching, but it's true preaching. It's like people in church all the time, they're praying. They're like, God, I need a miracle financially. God, provide for me, Jehovah Jireh, God, send money. And God's up in heaven like, how about a budget? I want a new job. God, I hate this job. It's miserable. Open up a door for a new job. God, give me my dream job. And God's like, fill out an application. <laughs> Lord, I'm lonely. I'm in this season of singleness. You know I have a desire to be married. God, I'm lonely. Send the right person. God's like, ask him on a date. <laughs> we do our part. God will do his part, and we'll start to see miracles take place. This is the beauty of how God works. And sometimes we have to wait a little bit longer and a little bit differently than we think. You know, the Bible is full of analogies about farming, which in New York City, it's not very popular because there's not many farmers. Are there any farmers out here? Any farmers in the building tonight? Amazing. One of you. You might be joking. I don't even know. There is a real farmer, okay, so they, they, could, they could preach this better than me. But here's the, here's the thing about farming. I don't, I've never farmed before a day in my life, but I do know that there are a few things that are required in farming. There's planting, there's watering, and there's waiting. And a lot of times, more waiting. And then more waiting. And then more waiting. And then more watering. And then more waiting. This is how farming works. 
God is a God of agriculture. But this is difficult for us because we live in a very instantaneous world. We have the, the entire uh, information of the planet in our pockets on our phones. And this is an incredible blessing, but it's made us incredibly patient. Like, you ever texted somebody before, and if they don't text within five minutes, you're like, why are you ignoring me? Why are you ignoring me? You know? And if we're not careful, that impatience can trickle its way into our spiritual lives, and we pray, and if God doesn't answer in five minutes, we're like, why are you ignoring me? Why are you ignoring me? But how many know God doesn't work like that? God is not Google. You cannot just get a response from him like that. It takes planting, and it takes watering, and it takes waiting. And I am sure that there have been farmers that have been frustrated because they planted and they watered and they were waiting, and they're looking down at the crop saying, why is nothing growing? Why is nothing coming up? I've done everything I can, and nothing is happening. And when we do that, even in our own life, God is probably just up in heaven just saying, just wait for it. Just wait for it. Because the Bible says don't, get, don't ever get tired of doing good. Because at just the right time, if you do not give up, you will reap a harvest of blessing. It doesn't say that you might. It doesn't say that some people will. It says that if you don't give up, you will reap a harvest of blessing. Does anybody believe that? You've got to have confidence and faith in the promises that God has spoken over your life. And the last one is simply this. And we'll get the team to come back up here in just a couple of minutes. By the way, the worship team is amazing. Can we give it up for them? They're awesome. I love them. They sound incredible, and I know that you know this, but anytime that there's a, a conference like this or an incredible event, um, once again, it doesn't just magically happen. Somebody set up this pipe and drape. Somebody hooked up all these cords. And the reality is this. Anytime that you experience a blessing publicly, it's usually because somebody sacrificed privately. There's a lot of people that have prepared for this conference and, and prayed for this conference and kind of set the stage for everybody to encounter God this weekend. So can we thank God for every volunteer, every leader, Pastor Mike. Come on, put your hands together for them. Amazing. Amazing people. Very hard work. Very hard work. Okay, let me give you this last one. I'm going to be very honest with you. This is the most difficult one. For me personally. Number one, I will resist the temptation to rush. Number two, I will focus on my development, not my delay. And the third one is this, I will make peace with God's pace. I will make peace with God's pace. How many know that God is not in a hurry? I'm in a hurry. God is not in a hurry. He has a different timetable. And we're going to talk about this, and then we're going to pray about this, we're going to sing about this, the worship team is going to come out, it's going to be awesome. I will make peace with God's pace. Now I have good news and I have bad news. What do you want to hear first? Bad news? Okay, I got you. Everybody here raised your hand and said, I have something I'm waiting on God for. Um, you all said that. The, the bad news is this, is this. It, it's going to take longer than you think. It's going to take longer than you think. The good news is this. And we stand on the authority of God's word. When it happens, it will be better than you imagined. It will be bigger than you imagined. It will be more enjoyable than you imagined. Because that is the God that we serve. He loves to surprise us. 
He loves us to have expectations just so that he can exceed them. This is the beautiful, enormous God that we serve. But I cannot convince you of that. That is something that you are going to have to realize on your own tonight. You know, it was A.W. Tozer who said, the thing that comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. If you have a small God, you have a small life. You have a big God, you have a big life. You can say tonight, this is just a random conference with some people and some singing and some speaker from New York and it's kind of cool, it's kind of cold in here, whatever. Or you can say, you know what, before I was ever born, God knew that I would be in this room tonight and in this season of life, he knows every detail and desire of my heart. His hand is upon my life. It is not perfect, but he has protected me every single step of the way and my God loves me and wants to prosper me. And he has great things in store, so I'm going to choose to trust him tonight. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know the thing that gets you excited. I don't know the thing that's been dominating your mind. I don't know the thing that's been consuming your heart. But whatever it is, God is the one who has placed it there. And he's simply saying, tonight would you trust me? Tonight would you wait on me? Tonight would you realize that my pace is different than your pace? And make peace with that. Now, I'll be very transparent. There are things that I believe in as a pastor theologically, and there are other things that I struggle with. I don't know all the answers to everything. I believe in the love of God. I believe in the forgiveness of God. I believe in the grace of God. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe in the power of God. But I'll be honest with you tonight. There's one thing that I struggle with. I believe it, but I struggle with it. And that is the perfection of God. That it's impossible for him to make a mistake. That's hard for me to wrap my head around because I make so many mistakes and the people that I know make so many mistakes and all I know is human nature. So it's difficult for my finite mind to realize that we serve a God whose plan is perfect and whose timing is never off. It's impossible for him to make an error. But when you get that revelation, there is a peace that comes over your spirit. There is a rest that comes into your soul. Man, his plan is perfect. His timing is never off. It feels off to me, but it's not off because I serve a perfect God. I was reminded of this years ago. I was in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I had to be at a conference like this one in Chicago. And the conference started at 8 a.m., and it was four hours away. So I had to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. How many know that Jesus is not even awake at 4 o'clock in the morning? I'm not even a Christian until 9 a.m. and a cup of coffee, okay? So I got to get up at 4 a.m., drive four hours to this conference that starts at 8 a.m. So I get in my car, drive down the highway, and all of a sudden it starts raining, gets a little bit of traffic. Then I ran to some construction. Then there was an accident, and then I saw that sign on the highway. How many have ever seen that demonic sign that says delays ahead? You know what I'm talking about, right? Long story short, my four-hour drive turns into a five-hour drive. So now I'm going to be a a late one hour for the conference. So it started at 8. I'm walking in at 9. I feel bad. I don't like to be late. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is bad. So I walk into the conference, into the lobby, and there's a person there greeting me. And they're like, hey, I'm so glad to have you. Pumped that you're here. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm late. I hate to be late. I know you started at 8, and now it's 9. I'm an hour behind. I'm so sorry. And the host looked at me, and she was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you're you're not late. It's like, what do you mean? It started at 8, and now it's 9. I'm an hour behind. She goes, you're, you're not late. She goes, when you drove from Indianapolis 
to Chicago, you didn't even realize it, but you were driving through a time zone. We're one hour behind, which means you're right on time. I didn't even realize it. And I want to encourage you tonight, God is going to get you where God is going to get you. And whenever he gets you there, you're not even going to realize it, but you're going to look back and say, man, I am right on time. No matter what delays, no matter what obstacle, no matter what things you think are slowing you down, God is more passionate about your purpose than you are. And when you arrive to that place, you're going to thank him because you're going to say, you know what? His plan is perfect and his timing is never off. Come on, if you believe it tonight, clap your hands. Give him some praise in this place. Now listen, I'm going to have you stand to your feet all over this place. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to sing whatever we're going to sing here in just a minute. What are we going to sing? Oh, good choice. Did you write that song? <laughs> she said, I wish. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a second. Whatever it is that you're waiting on, you lifted your hand earlier and said, God, you haven't done it yet. That same hand that you lifted earlier that represented the thing that has been delayed in your life, the thing that has been taking a while, perhaps even the thing that you've lost hope on. Maybe even God sent me here tonight just to remind you to keep believing for the thing that you've wanted to quit on. That thing that you lifted your hand about at the beginning of this message. I'm going to ask you to lift that same hand right now to heaven as a sign of you saying, you know what, God? I am giving this thing to you. I am believing that you can do something with it that I cannot do. Jesus, right now, we choose to trust you. We choose to wait on you. For when we wait upon you, strength comes into our soul. So God, right now, forgive us for trying to force it. Forgive us for trying to make it happen. God, we don't rely upon our own strength, our own skill, our own networking, our own education, our own bank account. God, we look to you to open up doors that no man can shut to bring favor upon our life that we could never work up on our own. So God, right now we wait upon you and we trust you to do the impossible in our life. We pray this in the name of Jesus.